0: Uh, The title of the message, as I mentioned, A Well-Invested Life. Um, Let me ask a question. Uh, Have you ever missed a big opportunity? Have you ever had a big opportunity that you missed out on? I have an opportunity, a big opportunity, a huge opportunity in my life that I came this close to missing out on. could be worse. (laughs) He got the the book of Matthew on there. That's a good thing. Uh, I had a time where I almost missed a super important opportunity in my life. I was 18 years old. I walked into a hardware store. And when I walked in, I wasn't looking for it, but I found it. There was this consummation of beauty working behind the counter (laughs) with long brown hair. And I thought, wow, I think I came here for a new reason, right? I'm changing the reason I came here. Like, this is amazing. I got to know her name. So I went up to the counter, now needing help, and... (laughs) (laughs) and they were giving numbers that you had to pull to get help. Well, I wanted to increase my odds of getting this consummation of beauty to help me, and so I took a bunch of numbers so that my odds would be increased. And this woman calls the number that I happen to have, because I have so many, and I also had the number (laughs) after it. And I thought quickly and thought, well, let me see if she's interested in me. she called 26 and I said I don't have 26 but I have 27 will you help me and my wife the rule follower says no I'm sorry we have to take everyone in order and I thought great she's not interested right So I waited, knowing that 26 would never come because I had 26 in my pocket. (laughs) And I waited, holding 27 in my hand. And she finally said, okay, I guess I can help you now, 27. And I talked with her. And they didn't have what I needed. And she said, hey, we don't have it, but if you come back Saturday, I think we're going to get it in stock. And I thought, well, maybe she is interested if she's asking me to come back Saturday. And I said, (laughs) and I said, well, hey, I would really like to see you again. Can I get your phone number? And she gave me her phone number. And well, the rest is history. <laughs> but my point is, missed opportunities are gone forever. I went back that Saturday, by the way, to get what they were supposed to be in on Saturday. And sure enough, it came in on Saturday. And you know what I learned? That was Lisa's last day at work the day I got her phone number. Wow. What if I didn't ask? I mean, my four kids wouldn't be in the world. My, I mean, oh, my gosh. Uh, That was some 40 years ago and uh, still thrilled with uh, the biggest uh, blessing in my life, my wife. And uh, uh, the point being is, though, wow, missed opportunities are gone forever and we can't get them back. I almost missed that one. You know which one I did miss? I didn't buy Amazon six years ago. (laughs) If you would have bought Amazon stock, only a thousand shares of Amazon stock six years ago, you would have $3.5 million today. Just six years ago. That opportunity is gone. Don't buy it now. Uh, That opportunity is gone, right? You can't get it back. And the problem is, is, man, we don't want to miss out on opportunities. When they're gone, they're gone. How many of you get FOMO? Yeah. Fear of missing out. How many of you get FOMO? Yeah, every every young girl in here. I do, I do. Uh, <laughs> we get FOMO, right? Like, hey, we're going to go watch fireworks tonight. Fourth of July, like, oh, I already made plans. Man, I would have loved to do that with you guys. Uh, you know, we, we don't want to miss out. Uh, <clears throat> We hate missing out on things. We hate lost opportunities. And, you know, missing out on a 4th of July fireworks, that's a bummer. But it's not near as bad as missing out on Amazon six years ago, <laughs> right? Not near as bad. That's a b- well, you know what's even way, way worse? A far bigger, worse missed opportunity than not buying Amazon six years ago? Missing the opportunity to properly invest our lives. That is the greatest mistake of all. And rather we know it or not, we are all making big investments every single day. Guess what we're investing? Our life. Our life is short. I'm amazed how quick it goes by. I see my son now, uh, my second born son, and a baby coming in any day now. We're like two weeks away. And I'm just, I'm, and it all happened so fast. It seems like just yesterday, Lisa and I had our first kiss. And here we are. And whether we know it or not, we are investing our life. And if we invest our life wisely, there is purpose and there is joy. And there is increase. And not only that, there are incredible rewards in the age to come. I want you to think about something that you probably haven't thought about in a while you are going to live eternally. You are going to live forever. Everyone is going to live eternally, either with God or separated from God. And life is really just the investment we make to decide if we want to be in fellowship with him, in intimate fellowship with him, or not. Uh, This is the journey, and we're all investing. If we invest foolishly, there is great loss and emptiness, but if we invest well, there is purpose, joy, and incredible reward. Setting the stage for where we're going, Jesus is going to the cross in just three days. It is either Tuesday or Wednesday as we read this passage in chapter 25. We don't really know for sure what happened on Wednesday, but uh, Tuesday uh, maybe. Uh, But Jesus is going to the cross on Friday. And his time is short. He knows what he has come for. He knows what he is going to do. And knowing that he is going to the cross... He is going to teach us because he doesn't want us to make the mistake of wasting our life and missing out on receiving his incredible, his great, his magnificent rewards. So Jesus does something profound to the disciples. He teaches them about the end of the age. We started this mini-series inside of the book of Matthew, the 11th hour, and we've been looking about what Jesus is teaching from the Olivet Discourse. There he is on the Mount of Olives, and he pulls them aside, and he says, hey, listen, the end of the age is coming. They don't know he's going to die. They think he's going to set up his kingdom. He's telling them, uh, the end of the age is coming. And before the end of the age comes, there's going to be a tribulation period, a time of turmoil on this earth that the world has never seen or will ever see again. And then at the end, I am going to come in radiant glory. Every eye will see Every tongue will confess there won't be one person on earth who won't see me when I come. When I come the second time, first time I came humble to take the sins of the world. When I come the second time, I am coming in radiant glory. He will, his coming will be seven times brighter than the noonday sun. Every eye will see. Every tongue will confess. Jesus is Lord. The earth will tremble. The mountains will bow. Tremendous ge- geographical changes at the return of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus does something very interesting. After he tells them about the end of the age, the tribulation period, and his return, his glorious return, he gives them two parables. Very interesting. The first parable was the parable we looked at last week, the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. foolish. And the point of the parable, the purpose of the parable was simply this. Be ready for Jesus' return, and be watching for Jesus' return. And now he tells us a second parable, the parable of the talents. And the reason, the purpose of telling us this, so that we don't waste our life. That we would have a life that was well-invested because how we invest our life makes a big difference for the future. And so uh, the whole subject at hand today is to be a wise investor of your life. And to that, let's open up our Bibles and let's get reading this story that Jesus tells us. A parable, by the way, is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a story that we can understand to grasp things that we do not understand. It's a story that we can see to illuminate things that we cannot see. And that's what a parable is for. And Jesus gives us that second parable. Here it is, 2514. If you're there, give me a big amen. Amen. For the kingdom of heaven... Uh, Or the kingdom of God is, uh, is what he's talking about. The kingdom where Jesus is ruling and reigning. The kingdom where God's will is being done. It's happening. It's here on earth. It's happening in heaven. Some are in it. Some are not. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is like a man traveling to a far country. And he called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Here, right, out of the, right off the bat, right out of the gate, we can kind of see, oh, I think I understand what this story is about. Who's the man traveling to a far country? Jesus. That's Jesus. He came to this earth. He lived for 33 years. His public ministry, only three and a half years. And now he's going away to a far country. Where's the far country he's going to? He's leaving earth. He's going to heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. And he called his servants. Who are his servants? That's us, right? Uh, Us. And look what he does. And he delivered his goods to them. What has God given you? And to each one, excuse me, and to one he gave five talents. And to another he gave two. And to another he gave one. Look at this, interesting. To each one according to his own ability. Very interesting. And immediately, you might want to underline immediately, he went on a journey. Uh, Where was his journey? up into heaven, right, uh, ascended to the right hand of the Father uh, there in heaven, and here we see something, he comes, and he's going to go on, this, and before he go, he gives these talents, what's a talent? Well, a talent is a measure of weight, it's not a measure of money, it's a measure of weight, And a talent uh, is a measure of weight that is 113 pounds and 10 ounces. That was a Jewish talent. 113 pounds and 10 ounces. And so we can see that when he gives these talents, we're not talking about small little things here. These are big gifts he gives. One talent, 113 pounds, 10 ounces. If it was a talent of gold, I looked at the price of gold on Friday, and as of Friday, one talent would be worth $2.96 million, one talent of gold. And to one he gave five talents, that would be $15 million. If it was a talent of silver on Friday's prices, it would be $44,000. My point is simply this, God is very generous in his gifts to us, right? Very generous. And look what he says. Then he who received the five talents, verse 16, went and traded with them or invested them, and he made another five talents. Now he's got 10. God is always giving us the ability to increase, to grow, to expand, To mature, to develop, to grow in wisdom, to grow in the ability to love, to grow in the ability to be a builder of people's lives. He is pouring into us that we might grow in these things. And he gives us an amazing amount to do it with. Uh, Verse 17, likewise, he who received two Talents gained two more. He's got growth. He's got opportunity now for taking that four and turning it into eight. And here we see this exponential growth happening. Verse 18 But he who received one went and dug in the ground and hid his, mass, his Lord's money. What did he do with the gifts God gave, gave to him? Buried it. Nothing. He sat on his hands with it. Interesting, interesting story Jesus chooses to tell on his last days of life. I don't want you to waste your life. I want you to be a good investor of your life. I want you to have a well-invested life. And the first point, I have four points that I want to bring out to you today. And the first point that we see in the story is simply this. God has given us all a stewardship. God has given us all a stewardship. A stewardship simply means something that you are responsible over. Something of value that's been entrusted to you. Something that you have authority to, uh, to use and to take care of. God has given all of us a stewardship. God has generously endowed you with gifts, with talents, and with abilities. And you have been uniquely gifted by your creator, Jesus, with amazing gifts and talents. You have an IQ that is profound. You have an EQ, an emotional intelligence that helps you connect with others and understand others. You have athleticism, or not. Uh, You have humor, or not. Uh, You have attractiveness, or not. (laughs) Uh, uh, But various gifts. He doesn't give anyone all the gifts. He doesn't give anyone all the talents. But he distributes generously to everyone. Each one according to their ability. Some have incredible charisma. Some of you have incredible musical gifting. Some of you have amazing empathy and sympathy and you just, you're so nurturing and caring. Some of you have amazing common sense. Some of you have profound logic. You're just great, man. You can look at a thing and you can figure out how to make it work and how to make it hum. Some of you have incredible physical strength. Some of you have incredible emotional strength. Some of you have an engineering mind, and you're just, you're, you're, always, you're just thinking like an engineer all the time. Some of you have an artistic mind, and you just think artistically. You kind of float around when you move, right? Uh, God has given all of us these different gifts and talents, and he has given them lavish, excuse me lavishly and generously and abundantly upon our lives to the tune of millions of dollars to illustrate how he has poured these gifts and abilities into our life look at the rest of the animal kingdom what one of them wouldn't trade in a moment for the gifting that you have God has endowed you with incredible, incredible gifts And God gifted us in a way that is very fascinating because we have the potential to do incredible good or to do what? Incredible evil. Or to do nothing at all. Just sit on our hands and watch countless hours of TV over and over and over and over and look at that social media page over and (laughs) over and over and waste our life. We've been given a stewardship and we have incredible potential And the choice is yours and the choice is mine of how we're going to use it. God generously gave us all of these gifts and to my astonishment, he says, no strings attached, use them how you will. Can you imagine giving someone millions of dollars and saying, yeah, whatever you want to do? Amazing, just amazing. Uh, In this parable, we see That some make investments with the gift God gives them, and some do not. They just waste what they've been given, and God gives us that choice. To me, that is staggering. Jesus has given us so much, and if you are married, if you have a family, if you have someone you love, man, you have been given a kingdom to rule over. How are you doing ruling over your kingdom? How are you doing with all that God has entrusted you with? It's a privileged responsibility. You have amazing potential to use it for good, to pour into these children's lives, to build them, to have your, your family, your marriage, be a witness to the world, to be an influence to others. What are you doing? How are you using your stewardship? How are you investing it? What are you doing with it? Amazing to consider. And you can use your marriage for amazing good. You can also use your marriage for what? Amazing evil. I've seen it tear apart lives. If you're single, God has given you an amazing opportunity to focus all of your attention, to focus all of your gifts on serving God. Or you can use them all for serving self. It can be about, hey, it's party, we're doing this here, we're doing this here, and just go, 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 and it's entertainment and amusement and spending money and what we should eat, what we should drink, what we should wear and what we should play and what we're going to do, and we're doing nothing with our life. Or you can use it for the glory of good, the glory of God. Choice is ours, choice is ours. I love watching the young adults in this church and how they're taking the gifts that God has given them and using them to the glory of God. If you're not busy on a Wednesday night, come out and check out what's happening here on Wednesday nights with our young adult ministry. It is bumping, man. It is bumping, and I love seeing it. There's a worship team that Kyle's raised up, and little Abby up here singing her heart out to the Lord, just doing a great job with the entire team. There are leaders that are getting raised up. They're serving in various aspects of the church, even on Sunday mornings, even right now in Sunday school. I love watching how the young adults are being raised up and how people are using their gifts. It's. Awesome awesome to see. But not only has God given us natural gifts, if we're Christians, he's also given us what? Spiritual Spiritual gifts. A lavish amount of natural gifting. And as Christians, the moment you become a believer, Jesus imparts to you even more gifts. They're called spiritual gifts. And those gifts are wisdom, discernment, prophecy, teaching, prayer, Stewardship, generosity, hospitality, administration, helps, leadership, all kinds of different gifts. The list goes on and on. It's inexhaustible that he pours upon his church, us, his people, individually, individual specific gifts. Uh, and, And here's the point we all have an amazing stewardship from God, an amazing stewardship. And uh, you are doing something with it. Uh, brings us to the second point. What are we doing with it? Well, we are all either wisely investing or foolishly squandering our stewardship. What are you doing with the stewardship God has given you? Every day, each of us are investing our lives either wisely or foolishly. And we may think, yeah, hey, you know, I don't know about all that. I don't think it really matters what I do today. I don't think it really matters if I'm generous or if I'm selfish. I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't think it matters if I'm serving others or serving myself. I don't think it matters if I'm living holy or living sinful. It doesn't just, it really just doesn't matter. Can I tell you something? That's exactly what the guy thought who buried his talent. Just doesn't matter. Not that big a deal. No real appreciation for what he had been given. No real appreciation to grasp the vision of the one who gave it to you. I remember Christmas morning when my kids were little. Oh, I remember one Christmas morning in particular. One of my boys, oh, I still remember his Christmas gift list. What do you want for Christmas, buddy? Dad, dad, dad. I want a disappearing G.I. Joe and a wetsuit. (laughs) A disappearing G.I. Joe and a wetsuit? Yeah. And it wasn't one time. It was day after day after day. And so guess what he got on Christmas? A disappearing G.I. Joe... And a wetsuit, and you know what I love? Oh, I loved waking up on Christmas morning and seeing what is he going to do with the gifts I gave him. And oh, how fun it was to get that disappearing GI Joe and to take it under the hot water and watch it turn blue, and then to put it in the ice water and watch it disappear and turn clear, and watch. Uh, My son, as he got that disappearing G.I. Joe and to watch his imagination just explode and to play all the different things he was doing. Oh, I loved watching him use the gifts that he was given. And God has given you gifts and he's like, oh man, I can't wait to see how you're going to use what I've given you. Yeah, I know you don't have all the gifts, but you have enough and you've got a lot. And if you use it, oh, it's going to be amazing, amazing. It matters. If we think that our gifts don't matter, here's what will happen. We will live selfish lives, not interested in the things that God cares about. Not thinking about why God gave me these gifts and how I'm supposed to use them. Not really caring about the things that God cares about, like personal character and integrity and serving others and being a builder of other people and being generous and putting God first in my life. Instead, we will waste our days living foolishly, uh, just being focused on what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear, yeah, is, is that all there is? What a waste. What a waste. Repeatedly, the Bible tells us our life is a vapor. I'm amazed how quickly it happens. Oh, I wish I could convey this to you, especially if you're young. You just won't grasp it. I know you'll hear my words and you won't grasp it. It happens like that and it's over. It seems like yesterday I had my first kiss with my wife. And in two weeks I've got a grandbaby coming. I can't wait. But it's gone so quickly. It's happened so quickly. Our life is a vapor and what we do now matters. It matters now. And it matters for eternal rewards. You see, the talents that God has given us. They're only a small fraction of the incredible inheritance that he wants to give us to come. This life, if you will, is a courtship to see who is interested in being with our creator, with our savior, with our divine husband, if you will. Right? Every analogy breaks down at some point. But... but uh, But there's there's an intimate relationship that is desired. And the purpose of this life is to say, Wow, you're you're amazing. You're incredibly good to me. I want to know you. I want to walk in your ways. I want to invest. What did I want? When I gave my son that disappearing G.I. Joe, what was the one thing I really wanted? What was the thing I really hoped for? That he would say, Dad, look at this. You want to play? Yeah, buddy, I do. And I remember getting down on my hands and knees and playing with G.I. Joes and just loving watching his mind expand. And that is how God has gifted us and what he wants to do with us. Uh, Jesus said, if you being selfish... And sinful. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more your heavenly father. Is bestowing all these gifts on you. And wants to, wants to do life with you. To the amazing. I mean amazing. I am in awe that Jesus wants to, wants to build his kingdom. With me. That he invites me into the practice. That he invites you into the. That we get to do it together. How amazing. And it's incredibly. Incredibly rewarding. Our life is a vapor. And right now, do you know what I know? Right now, some of us are investing our life wisely. Right here, this minute, some of us are investing our life wisely, and some are investing it foolishly. They're squandering it. Some right now are taking copious notes. They're studying their Bible. They are paying attention to every word. They are trying to learn about Jesus, trying to learn about God's kingdom, trying to receive everything that God has for them so they can grow closer to them. I May I say, well done, good investor. You've invested wisely. On the other hand, some are here today and you're not even paying attention. Right now you're thinking about, I wonder what time the fireworks start tonight. (laughs) And you're squandering the gifts that God wants to pour into you. Some of us have heard about summer nights. And we thought, well, first summer nights this Wednesday night. Are you going to go? I might go. I don't know. I'll see if anything better comes along between now and Wednesday. And if nothing better comes along, then yeah, I'll probably be there. I don't know. We'll see. On the other hand, some of you have caught the vision of what we're doing. And you've already been praying about who you're going to invite and who you're going to bring. Because you know you have some friends and they won't step a foot in a church, but they would come to a beach barbecue where everything was free. And when they came, they'd play spike ball, and they'd play uh, cornhole, and they'd get surf lessons, and they'd get fed, and and they would see more than all that. They would see this. We have the most amazing fellowship. We have the most amazing love for each other. We have this love of Christ that is palpable. You can feel it. You can sense it when you walk onto the campus, and you'll sense it when you walk onto the beach, because it doesn't matter where we are. This is not the church. This is the church. And when we're at Moonlight Beach, we'll be the church. And the love of Jesus Christ will be there. And that person who wouldn't step into a church will unknowingly just step into the church at at, at Moonlight at Moonlight Beach. And he'll experience, she'll experience the love of Jesus. The kindness, the grace, the amazing fellowship that we have that can't be reproduced anywhere in the world. I have a, there is a love, there is a bond so close. I mean, I love you guys. I feel like I have, I, I feel so blessed to be part of your congregation. And I just love being with you. And uh, man, some of you are already wisely praying. And some of you are investing your life wisely. And some of you are sitting on your hands, sitting on your gifts. What are you doing with what God has given you? We're either a wise investor or we're foolishly squandering. There is no other position. To properly understand how Jesus wants to use the talents, the gifts, the spiritual gifts that he pours into us, both natural and spiritual, to understand how Jesus wants us to use these gifts, we have to understand that Jesus gives gifts differently than anyone we've ever met before totally differently, radically differently. When you have a birthday and somebody gives you a gift, you go, hey, here's a gift. I got you an Amazon card. And you open it up, you go, oh, thank you. That Amazon card is for you to use on who? On you, right? That's what it's for. When Jesus gives gifts, he does it totally differently. He says, hey, I'm going to give you a musical gift. It's not for you, it's for all of you. I'm going to give you, Chris, a teaching gift. I'm going to give you, Chris, a gift to help build people whose lives have been broken down by addiction. And that gift is not for you, Chris, it's for all of us. I'm going to give you, Dave, a teaching gift. And that gift is not for you, it's for you. And I'm going to give you, Kyle, a gift. And it's not for, it's for you. And I'm going to give you the gift of help. So it's not for you, it's for... And God gives us gifts that are meant for everybody else. And here's what's remarkable. When we use them that way, God says, I want to pour a whole bunch more into you. And when we use them the wrong way, God says, even what you have will be lost. Amazing. Amazing. Jesus gives us gifts to serve others. And uh, it's interesting to look at. I want you to know uh, this is just totally true. God takes great risks when he endows you with gifts. What risk does God take? that you will take that gift and use it for selfishness, for evil, for darkness instead of light. No one, by the way, more gifted than one. His name? Lucifer. Lucifer? Yeah, his name before the fall. He's now Satan. His name used to mean Lucifer, illuminated one illuminated by the glory of God his name now means Satan it means deceiver or, or or trick you know deceiver is good enough uh uh yeah when God gives you gifts he takes great risk because you might take those gifts and just use them inappropriately in all of the wrong ways uh It is beautiful when a person uses their gifts, their power, their authority to serve others. But it is dreadfully appalling when a person uses their gifts, powers, and abilities to serve themselves and their insatiable lusts. And what's fascinating is God lets us choose how we're going to use them. Staggering to consider. I want to just juxtaposition two men for you. Uh, The Apostle Paul used his life to build churches all over the world. Why? So that people might be taken from darkness to light, from deception to truth, from separation from God to intimate fellowship with God, from death to life, to feed, to bless, and to nourish all those who are starving. And he planted churches all over the world. Harvey Weinstein had been given tons of gifts also. And he used all his gifts not to make the world a better place but to ruin the lives of others. Big difference. God takes great risks when he endows us with gifts. And I want you to know the only way that we can properly manage the gifts God has given us is if we are spending time with Jesus. Again, the thing that I wanted most when I gave my gifts to my son is that he would say, dad, will you take me to the beach and go in the water with me so that we can use this wetsuit and bring the jet skis? And we did. And it was amazing. And it was the very thing I'd hoped for. And that's how God gives us these gifts. He wants us to use them with him. That we might learn and obey his counsel. That we might walk with wisdom. And that wisdom comes from the word of God. There's no other way to get it. It comes from studying God's word. Jesus talked about this repeatedly. He reveals what he wanted. Uh, let's have a verse on the screens for you. John chapter 15. Let me hear you read this out loud. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm amazed at the exponential growth of fruit on a tree. We planted one avocado tree, and now we have hundreds of avocados in our backyard and that's exactly what Jesus is saying uh, you I uh, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit he says you can't produce fruit unless you're abiding in me just like a branch can't bear fruit unless it's in the tree the moment it comes off the tree it dies it withers and it's only good to be thrown into the fire and I think we understand the imagery But if it stays in the vine, it produces much fruit. Uh, Let's go on, the rest of the verse. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. What an amazing thing. He says, if you remain in me, if you stay attached to me, you stay connected with me, I'm going to guide you on all the gifts I've given you, and you're going to produce much fruit. And God's going to be glorified in that. And not only that, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want because it's aligned with my will. And anything you want a disappearing G.I. Joe, a wetsuit no problem. If it's aligned with my will, Dad, you want to play? Yeah, it's yours. It's yours. You see. Uh, God is so rich when he gave one five talents that equaled 15 million dollars there was still a ton more talents to give out and to distribute his wealth is inexhaustible he owns the cattle on a thousand hills he owns everything do you know why people divorce because we cannot properly manage the gifts God gives us unless we're spending time with Jesus Do you know why people get addicted? Because we cannot properly manage all the gifts God gives us unless we're spending time with Jesus. Do you know why we lie? Why we brag? Why we fall into the trap of materialism? Why we commit adultery? Because we cannot properly manage all the gifts God has given us unless we abide in Jesus. The moment the branch breaks off the tree, it's only a matter of time before it's dead and withered. We were created to be in fellowship with our creator and to take the gifts and the disappearing G.I. Joes he gives us and to use them with him. And when we do, we are in this ongoing relationship with Jesus. We're reading and we're obeying his words and he gives us wisdom and discernment and the ability to increase and to thrive. The two talents become four. The five talents become ten. And there is exponential increase all the days of our life. We thrive and we do it all by the grace of Jesus Christ. Because he's expanding our borders and he's giving us a bigger promised land. It's just how he works. I want you to know the Apostle Paul was not sinless. And... Harvey Weinstein was not the devil. Both men were just regular men. They just invested their lives in very different ways. And they just clung to very different things. And we see the end result and the juxtaposition of the two. It brings us to our third point. Our first point, we've all been given an incredible stewardship. Our second point we're investing it every single day or we're squandering it every single day. Our third point, we all must face a day of reckoning. A day of reckoning. Look at verse 19. After a long time, I want you to underline those words, after a long time, the Lord of those servants, that's Jesus, came and settled his accounts with them. When is that going to happen? That's his second coming. That's his second coming contextually. But for us, it might be a second coming or it might be different. After a long time, for some, that's 60 years. And then God calls them home. And he, they have a day of reckoning. For some, it's 70 years. For some, it's only 16 years. But after a long time, there's a day of reckoning. I have in my sock drawer at home uh, a note to myself, and it's that you may have heard me told you this before, but uh, in my sock drawer, I have this note, and it says, there's a day coming when I will no longer have the opportunity to live my life by faith. You know what that's telling me? Be a wise investor of what he's entrusted me with right now, because this season's brief. After a long time, he comes and he settles the accounts with the servants. He says, hey, it's a day of reckoning. Verse 20. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. I've invested them and I've gained five more talents besides them. And as Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to underline these words. You were faithful. You didn't sit on your hands. You didn't use it for your own glory. You were faithful. God isn't looking for talent. He isn't looking for ability. He already has all that. God is looking for a heart that cares and says, I'll be faithful. I'll be faithful. Uh, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22. He also who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord came and said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter in to the joy of your Lord. You've just been faithful with the things I gave you and the things I entrusted to you. Uh, And now I'm going to richly, exponentially bless you even more for all eternity. Verse 24. Then he who received the one talent, the guy who buried it, the guy who did nothing, the guy who sat on his hands, he had a day of reckoning also. And he came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. Reaping where you have not sown. And gathering where you have not scattered. That doesn't mean that Jesus is that man. It just means I knew you to be that. People have different ideas about who Jesus is, about who God is. This guy saw God as a hard man. Some people see God as a fluffy man. Oh, he just lets everybody, just everything, it's all good. You want to have relations with an animal? Go ahead. It's all good. God just loves everybody. He just loves everything. There's nothing wrong. Some have a too stern view of God. Some have a too fluffy view of God. This guy had a stern one. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, you have what is yours. I want you to know something. This this guy was what? What was he? He was afraid, right? I want you to know something. Fear will always cause a clenched fist. Fear will always cause a clenched fist. (laughs) Oh, I can't be generous. I don't have enough. I don't think I have enough. Oh, I can't forgive. They might hurt me again. Oh, I, can't, I can't, can't raise them up. They might take over. Fear will always cause a clenched fist. Uh, verse 26 But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked, and say this word with me, you wicked and lazy, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I do not sow. That's how you saw me. Then why didn't you at least put the money in the bank that at my coming I would have received back my own with interest? Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him. Who does he give it to? The guy that has 10. If this is $2.96 million, this guy now has $30 million, and now he's got another one. Now he's got $33 million... And that's just how God works. He pours into you more when you're faithful with what you've been given. And that's how Jesus finishes up this parable. Take it from him, give it to him as 10. Uh, verse 29, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. Jesus says, I came that you might have life and life abundantly. Uh, abundance of wisdom and abundance of joy in your family. Abundance of ability to raise children and discernment and all the things. He will have an abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Nothing sadder than to see those who squandered what God gave them to see them lose it. Nothing sadder. And cast that unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This man who buried his talent, who wasted his life, he faced a day of reckoning. And again, I want to say the Bible repeatedly tells us our life is but a vapor. And if we invest our life wisely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we will find purpose and joy now in our short little window of life. Purpose and joy and wisdom and discernment and ability to increase and and to grow. and And then in the ages to come, eternal rewards that will last for all eternity. Amazing to consider. If we squander our life by rejecting Jesus' love and lordship, we will face eternal separation. You see, there's a day of reckoning. Jesus says it's outer darkness. Jesus says it's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why weeping? Oh, how I wish I would have done it differently. Oh, how I wish I would have listened all those times God was speaking to my heart and I stiff armed him and said, maybe later. Oh, how I wish I wasn't so stubborn and so resistant to instruction that I would have let the Lord lead me. Oh, how I wish I could do it over and for all eternity there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I want you to know the Bible is clear. I take no delight in saying this, but you need to know Jesus taught about it frequently. Hell is real, hell is hot. And hell is eternal. And it's a place of broken dreams and missed opportunities. How many of you wish you could go back and do high school over again? (laughs) How many of you wish you could do college over? Well, don't make that same mistake with your life. Don't make that mistake. This man wished he could do it, he can't. It's appointed on a man, wants to die, and then the judgment. May we not waste our life. Jesus said in Luke 16, he told a story, he told a parable, uh, and there's this steward, there's a man, he's got a stewardship, he's a manager of a business, and he's been wasting his master's goods. And the master comes, and he says these words, may they be written on your heart. This is verbatim what Jesus said. Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Jesus is going to say those words to every single one of us. Dave, I'm calling you home. It's time. Give an account of your stewardship. You can no longer be steward. What'd you do with that family I gave you? What'd you do with that marriage I gave you? What would you do with that, those sons I gave you? That daughter I gave you? What would you do with the word of God that I gave you? What would you do with the opportunity to have a prayer life that I gave you? What did you do with the wisdom and the gifting and the talents that I poured in you? What did you do with it? Give an account of your stewardship. And the only thing God is looking for, that we would be faithful. That we'd use it as with him. That we'd say, yeah, Lord, I want to do it with you. I will stand before Jesus and give an account of my stewardship, and so will you. And so will your sons and daughters, and so will your friends and neighbors. You might want to invite them to summer nights. May we be wise. I want to uh, look at something real quick about this foolish investor Why would we refuse to wisely invest our life by living for Jesus? Why would we bury our talents? Why would we sit on our hands and just watch TV all day? Why would we invest our life in things that just don't even matter? Uh, I want to give you three quick little uh, reasons. Number one, we might not believe that it really matters. We might not believe that all this is really real. We might think, yeah, it'll be all right. Well, if I stay, if God's real and I stand before him, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. All right. It's all right. You're not going to be all right, dude. You're not going to be all right. You've made your own God, and you've ignored the, and spurned the true and living God. It does matter, and it's not going to be all right. Second reason is we may not really care. A lot of us just love pleasure and selfishness and irresponsibility and entertainment more than we love Jesus. We just don't really care. And that causes us to sit on our hands and to do nothing with our life. There are many fake Christians in this camp thinking that they are going to heaven because they raise their hand at some altar call as if that was a magic fairy dust. Or thinking that they're going to heaven because they go to church on Sunday and live apart from God, the rest of the week. It doesn't work that way. Uh, They don't really care, right? Uh, uh, They've never made Jesus the Lord of their life. They've never pondered and thought about why God created them and what God wanted in this and why he gave them all that he's given them and how he wants them to, uh, to use it. They just don't care. And the third reason is the reason this guy uh, 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 that we look at in our illustration, we're fearful. We're fearful. Uh, We don't live our lives all out for Jesus because we think God is hard. We think that he's too hard to please. We don't tell others about Jesus because we think we'll mess it up. We're fearful we're going to mess it up. We don't serve Jesus because we think we're not good enough to do it. We don't stand for truth in a world that so desperately needs us to stand for truth because we think God could never use me. We don't give generously because we think God's not generous. We might not have enough. And if we think that way, if we're fearful, it's because we don't know Jesus. We view God as an angry killjoy who just doles out a ton of rules that I can't follow. And that's exactly what this guy thought. Look at verse 24. Then he who received the one talent came and said, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you haven't seen it. I can't keep all your commandments. I was afraid. I didn't do anything. I just... All I can tell you is this guy didn't know Jesus. This guy didn't know that Jesus is good, that he's kind, that he's generous, and that he wants the best for us, and that Jesus will bless everything we put our hand to. I'm, you know what I'm the most amazed at at this church? is how Jesus blesses everything that we step out in faith to do. We build children's ministry classrooms, and Jesus fills them up with great teachers and great kids. We built them too small. Should have built them bigger. <laughs> We do a men's ministry, Jesus fills it up. We do a young adults ministry, Jesus fills it up. We do a kids' camp, Jesus fills. It. He blesses everything we put our hand to. May I remind you, every person who invested what God gave them in the story Jesus told got what kind of increase? Double. One hundredfold increase. That's incredible. In the financial market, if you make 8% a year, you're doing really good. Not in God's kingdom. God is so generous, you make 100%. That's the analogy he wanted to use. Why? Because that's what God does. And we need to see that, man. Jesus blesses every investment we make in his kingdom. I know it can be intimidating to step out in faith and to put yourself at risk. Nobody wants to crash. Nobody wants to burn. Nobody wants to get hurt. I understand that. And I have to admit that sometimes stepping out in faith feels risky. It just does. Uh, Let me ask you, did it feel risky when Moses stepped out in faith and with nothing more than a staff in his hand went before the most powerful leader in the world and said, let my people go, all three million of them. They're not going to pay taxes anymore. Let them go. Yeah, that felt risky. Do you think it felt risky when he stood before the Red Sea with nothing more than a shepherd's staff in his hand and the most powerful army in the world behind them and they have no weapons? Do you think it felt risky when he put that staff to an ocean and the ocean departed? It felt risky until the ocean departed. Do you think it felt risky when David stood before a giant named Goliath that everybody was afraid of? Do you think it felt risky when Jesus tells Peter leave your fishing business and follow me I'll make you a fisher of men. Do you think it felt risky? Absolutely. Absolutely. It can be intimidating stepping out in faith. It feels risky tithing and being generous. Giving freely to other people when money is tight. It feels risky making a stand for truth in a group of people who just uphold public opinion and moral relativism and secular humanism. It feels risky. Stepping out in in faith feels risky until you see God move. And then it is so rewarding. And I want you to know God is faithful. God is faithful. And every person who invested in the story got a hundredfold increase. But only those who believe, only those who believe that God is faithful step out in faith. As Kyle comes up to lead us in our communion, uh, I want to give you this. Uh, faith is not the absence of danger. It's trusting the presence of God in the face of danger. And we want to be aware of that. And it brings us to the fourth and last point. Uh, The first one, we've all been given a stewardship. The second one, we're investing every single day or we're squandering. The third one, there's a day of reckoning. We're all going to face it. And the fourth one, there are incredible rewards to those who are faithful with what they've been given. The guy that has two now has four. That's just in this life an incredible growth of wisdom and knowledge and uh, bigger uh, promised land and more influence and more... I love watching the leaders of this church grow and watch God build them up. I just am, I'm just amazed by it. And he gives us an increase here. But not only here, he gives us an increase. Incredible rewards in the ages to come. Paul would tell the church in Corinthians... Uh, uh, the church in Corinth your life is just a seed that you are planting and a seed determines what kind of resurrected body will come from it and you never plant the thing that will come the body that will come you just plant a seed your life is the seed he was saying and here's what he was saying he said there's all different kinds of glory at the resurrection all different kinds of reward and to illustrate it he said there's a body of a snail, and there's a body of a fish, and there's a body of a woman. Each body differs in glory. Let me just ask you, which one's more glorious? A snail or a woman? He said there's a glory of a sun, there's a glory of a moon, there's a glory of the stars. Each one differs in glory. What's more glorious, the moon or the sun? And here's what he said, each one differs in glory, and so it will be at the resurrection. There's going to be rewards, and everyone's reward will differ in glory based on what you've done with the life you've been given. Incredible rewards. May we not waste our life. May we not waste our life, and may we use it to the glory of God, to the glory of Jesus Christ. You may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it. Support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free. To participate with us, please visit our website at themissionchurch.net. God bless.